Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have not yet watched Succession. Uh, I, I see all the tweets about it. I just, I don't have right now the mental capacity to take on a whole series. I understand that. I really do. I will say that there's only two seasons, though. Like, there was a certain point where, like, I stopped watching The Americans in, like, season two, but then they made, like six more seats you know like I could never catch up you right. know but I feel like the time is still right for succession because they might do like five seasons oh but, like it's 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 doable thank <laughs> you for encouraging my ambition to yeah, watch because more TV. I know <laughs> what it's like to not want to take on a new show you know but of course we are not here to talk about our TV watching skills mm-hmm. um we're here to talk about something else Rayon do you know what we're here to talk about I mean, I think it's cats. Cats. Let's talk about cats. Cats. Let's talk about cats. Let's talk about cats. It's another episode of Let's Talk About Cats. I'm noted cat lady Mary Phillips Sandy. My cat, of course, is Grendel. And I am joined today by the newly appointed Deputy Head of Programming at Gimlet, Rehan Harmansi. Hi. Hey. So you just started your new job. Yeah, this is my third week. Okay, so you know where the coffee maker is and stuff like that. Okay, good. Um, But before that, you were the executive editor at Topic, RIP, the editor-in-chief of Atlas Obscura, which I quite enjoy. Um, And you are also at Fast Company, Modern Farmer. BuzzFeed, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the Bay Citizen. Mm. You've had a (laughs) wide-ranging and exciting career, but your most important job is in your home right now. It's true. It's two cats named Riff Raff and Squeaky. Can you introduce them to us via their five-word memoirs? (laughs) Okay, you know what? I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just like freestyle. Do it. Um, Riff Raff is big boy, big heart, big teeth. It paints a picture. I like that. Squeaky, tuxedo, skinny, broken tail, smarter. Okay, so there's <laughs> there's an intercat rivalry at play here. It's time for the cat quiz. So As we were just talking about, you have worked in print, you've worked in digital, now in audio. Your career has spanned all of the mediums that there are. I think it's safe to say you know a lot about media and journalism, right? It's safe. It's safe. Safe to say. Okay. But the real question is, how much do you know about media, journalism, and cats? I would stake my reputation on it. All right. All right. I like that. So there's going to be five questions. There's no time limit, but you do have to answer quickly. I don't know is never an acceptable answer. (laughs) And there is a prize at stake. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. In 2013, the Tribeca Film Festival premiered a Vice documentary about a cat. What was that cat's name? Grumpy. 
Grumpy had a cameo. Unfortunately, the focus of the film was Lil Bub and the name of the film Lil Bub and Friends with a Z because it was Vice. Okay, question number two. On December 7th, 1981, Time Magazine's cover story was Crazy Over Cats, reporting on a cultural cat boom that included Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical, Morris the Cat, and a series of New York Times bestsellers by which cat cartoonist? It's got to be Garfield. It's got to be Jim Davis. That's it. You get it right. That's correct. <laughs> Jim Davis uh, apparently had several New York Times bestsellers in the 80s. Question number three. Which of the following is not one of Tina Brown's cats? Is it dozy, fluffy, puffy, or jazzy? Jazzy? I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. It's fluffy. It's fluffy. Oh, Tina Brown wouldn't name jazzy. a cat fluffy. You're right. You're right. And actually, disclaimer, I don't know if all of those cats are still alive. The last reference to them that I could find was a few years ago. Tina, get in touch, please. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Question number four. During the 2011 Egyptian Revolution, Stephen Colbert brought a senior Mideast correspondent to the Colbert Report desk, an orange tabby cat named after which famous foreign correspondent? Christine... Amanpour. 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 That's right. Christian Amanpour. Yeah. And of course, the cat was Christian Amanpour. Question number five. There's a long and delightful history of cat magazines in English-speaking countries. In North America, there has been at least one cat magazine in circulation since what year? I'll give you a hint. It's the same year that Maine adopted its first official state flag. 1922? Oh, that was so close. 1901. Oh, 1901. God. It was, goes back. Yeah. Is it cat fancy? It's actually hard to pinpoint which mm-hmm. was the first one because there were there were a few that popped up in 1901. Um, Rayhan Armanzi, you win the cat quiz. Oh my God. Please tell the people listening at home what I'm handing you. Oh right my now. God. This is this is so thoughtful and beautiful. It's the Cat Courier. It is a small magazine, circa 1936, with a girl who I, I think I kind of look like, to be honest. Um, with two very beautiful cats, chinchilla cats. This magazine was uh, published by Mrs. Gertrude E. Taylor from 1918 to 1938. That is quite a run for a print magazine. This is amazing. And then she sold it to another cat magazine, so it got absorbed. uh, And its legacy lives on now, the Cat Courier. Oh, my God. These ads are amazing, too. (laughs) (laughs) The clean way of treating skin diseases. (laughs) Yes. So now you have something to read on the train home. (laughs) Move over, Goop. Okay, now we are going to do a brand new segment. It's never been done before on this show. Actually, I don't think it's ever been done anywhere. And this segment is called, Hey, if someone gave you an unlimited amount of money with which to start a media project about cats, what would you do? So, Rayan, if someone gave you an unlimited amount of money with which to start a media project about cats, what would you do? Oh, my God. This is really tough. Um, Cats represent well in almost any format, um, but... They do lend themselves towards the visual. So I would imagine a print glossy, a quarterly. Mm. Um, but I would never usually advocate pivoting to video. But, you know, after I saw the cat documentary, Ketty, um, oh, yes. I really craved more of that, like hours and hours and hours more of that. So I think that we would call the magazine Ketty. And I think that we would produce a um, reality show that just aired constantly. But it wasn't just a live stream. It was like a hundred cameras around Istanbul. You know, and I think that might begin to scratch the itch that we all have. 
Um, would there be any way for the cats to participate more pause on in the making of, of this project? That's a great question. I think that it's hard to imagine them operating cameras, but they should be able to see each other somehow. So maybe you would broadcast at very low heights. Like tiny t- <laughs> tiny billboards, <laughs> yes, yes. like a foot off the ground <laughs> yes. all over Istanbul. Yeah. It, yes, it is hard to imagine a cat operating a camera, but just an idea, GoPros on cats. I mean, of course, of course. There was a really great study a few years ago. North Carolina researchers put GoPros on cats, and one of the things they discovered was that some cats have multiple families. So, like, you would see a cat in one house in the morning being, like, fed and, like, loved, and then, like, in the afternoon they were in a different house, and then they talked to people, and they had no idea their cats had, like, multiple lives. So there's a lot to learn, really. Well, and, I mean, that is a reality show right there. Yeah, no, right? I mean, that is that is trashy. There could be fights. There I could know. be families, like, fighting in the street over yeah. the same cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is missing from the current cat media landscape, and there are some great cat publications and media projects out there already, Call Me Salacious, I Like a Little Gossip. Mm, yeah. And, you know, when I was researching the cat quiz for today, I discovered that uh, there actually was a 1926 publication in England called Cat Gossip. And that is what it was. People would write in with judgy things about something they'd seen at a cat fancy show. Like, well, I noticed that the judges were blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, people would uh, write in with sort of controversial opinions about different breeds. I mean, I know we want the discourse to be more civil, but there's something fun about that. I think that could totally be part of, like, Ketty LLC. I think that, like, if you've ever been to a cat show, I spent two days at one um, in Northern California a few years ago, and um, they have these sort of homemade histories of the different breeds. And you could tell people really had a big investment in telling certain stories about the nobility of their breed. Um, my favorite, though, was a newer breed called the Selkirk Rex, which was, like, seemingly bred from, like, two feral cats in, like, a Las Vegas trash dump, you know? You need a kind of to both have sometimes low stakes but, like, a lot of emotion to make really great gossip, and that's perfect. So Ketty LLC, a multimedia empire, really, yeah. with lots and lots of small billboards around Istanbul, GoPros on cats. Mm-hmm. What else? Gossip, uh, a gossip I mean, section, yeah, a, a, yeah. a 24-7 reality program, but well-produced yeah. quality, right? It's not I mean, trashy. Yeah, no, and I also think that you could, you know, there's a current hype around, like, you know, IP and media. And I think that, like, you're going to really need to form a digital agency to then take the cats and represent them in film and TV opportunities. That, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. And from there, it's a really short step, I think, to a theme park. Uh, Of course, in Broadway, you can't do this without theater rights, you know? That's right. I mean, (laughs) who wants Cats the Musical when you've got Cats the Musical? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, please remember us when you become a multi-billionaire from this idea. I mean, I think that this audio recording is actually going to be the um, basis for your lawsuit. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Let's talk about your cat. Rayan, how did you meet Riff Raff and Squeaky? So, I'm so glad you asked. Um, I met Squeaky first. 
I lived in San Francisco after college for over a decade. You know, I was dating my current my current husband, my first husband, <laughs> Patrick. Yes. My first and only current husband, Patrick. And, you know, you get to a place in your relationship where you kind of run out of things to talk about and you need to know what the next step is. So we went to a pet co-adoption day with the kind of like – you know, a loose feeling like, are we ready to take the step? I don't know. We're just going to see. And Squeaky was one of the first cats, I think maybe the first cat we met. And she was, I think she was probably like a eight-month-old kitten at this point. She wasn't like a tiny kitten, but she wasn't full grown. And she just like crawled all over us and was so friendly. And we were just, you know, had that cliched feeling of like, she chose us. And um, we had a great life, the three of us. And then at a certain point, we had a feeling like her emotional life wasn't fulfilling enough. You know, like we were going to work all day. And granted, she was asleep most of the time. Um, But we were like, we don't know whether she's going to like this or not, but it'll make her life more interesting if we had another cat. And so one day we were at brunch and there was a cat adoption thing going on in the street outside the brunch place. We just walked up and there was this tiny gray fluff ball. And our friend was like, you guys should just adopt a cat right now. And so we were like, okay. Um, It wasn't really like that well thought out um, because introducing the two cats turned out to be quite an ordeal. Um, Riff Raff was a very tiny kitten. He was fearless. Squeaky was not excited about this. And now I, I, I have to be honest, though, they don't love each other. <laughs> they tolerate, they each, tolerate other. each other. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Um, settle a bet for me. When I found out that your cat's name was Riff Raff, producer Lizzie immediately said, oh, like in Heathcliff. And I said, oh, like in Rocky Horror. Which one is um, it? It's actually the rapper Riff Raff. That was my, that, you know. Very popular at the moment we adopted Riff Raff. That is so funny because I remember thinking that and thinking, nah, that's probably not it. I mean, who even knows about Riff Raff anymore? I mean, where yeah. is that guy now? Yeah. It was like. And is Squeaky just because of she squeaks? I, yeah. She makes squeaky noises constantly. So she told you her name? She did. She talks a lot. Now, sources have told me that your husband um, previously identified as a dog person, not as a cat person. Is that true? And if so, was that almost a deal breaker? For I you? mean, I feel like he puts out an image as a dog person via a photo of him holding a small dog. I- I've seen this photo, yes. But, like, that's not really true. Like, he didn't have any dogs since I've known him. So, wait, what, what is this dog that he's holding in this photo that I have seen? It's his friend's dog. It's not part of our lives. Interesting. I mean, we've we've said on this show before that there the dog cat dichotomy is not necessarily valid. I love dogs. I I've always loved dogs. I grew up with dogs. I just happen to want to talk about cats. Mm-hmm. But in the show research that came up and and I saw that picture. I think it was published somewhere. Yeah. That, uh, it's a lie. Okay, interesting. So a cat person posing as a dog person? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's threatened by how many pictures of me there are with our cats. There are a lot of pictures of you <laughs> out there with cats. Yes, it's true. (laughs) I've also tried to put the cats in various publications I've worked at, you know, so I wrote about the cats at BuzzFeed. And then I think at Fast Company, we did a little photo shoot with one of the cats. So like, you know, they've been part of our our lives and our media lives, you know. I actually want to talk about a story you you wrote for BuzzFeed about the time that your cats got out. Mm. And 
what I thought was great about it was getting into the technology about microchipping and how that really works or doesn't work, as the case may be. Have they gotten out since then? Yes. <gasps> so in New York City, in Brooklyn, like two years ago, it was like the worst 72 hours of our lives. Seriously, it was so bad where we had a um, air conditioning unit. And for some reason, Patrick had chosen to attach it to the window with painter's tape, which is like very easily peeled off. So Squeaky, being the smarter one, managed to kind of like rip off the tape and escape through a tiny hole. Riff Raff had the option of leaving, did not choose to take it. It's a big difference between them. So who's the smarter one, really? Yeah, I mean, like, Riff, he's just, like, he's just not built for, like, the outside world, you know? But Squeaky is, like, she's very sharp. So it took me, like, an hour before I realized it in the morning. I was, like, making coffee, and I, like, looked at the hole in the window, and it didn't even occur to me Squeaky wasn't around. And then when I found out, it was, like, mayhem in our house, and... And it just so happened that like 3 a.m. a couple days later, we had canvassed the neighborhood at night. And I want to say in Clinton Hill, there is a shocking number of black and white cats. Like I would say there's hundreds in our block alone. And we would look at them and they would look at us and be like, is that squeaky? Because like from a great distance, you, you it's hard to tell. Um, but then when we found her, she was wandering up our street. So she hadn't, like a lot of times cats, they, I think I forget the number exactly, but they tend to stay within like 200 feet of the house that they live in. They don't they don't want to go far. Right. Um, but it was very traumatic. Do you think that experience changed Squeaky at all? She'll never see the light of day again. I mean, I've had that talk with her quite a few times, you know, when she's been at doors and windows. And I'm just like, you had your three days of freedom, girl. Like, it's over. And now it's time for some exciting news. Let's Talk About Cats has its first sponsor, and I really hope you'll support them because they are supporting this show. Here's what happened. The folks at Cat Amazing reached out to us. They are a family-owned business that makes award-winning treat hunt puzzle feeders that keep indoor cats mentally engaged and physically active. Their puzzles are recommended by vets, but more importantly, they are now recommended by Grendel. Yes, Grendel, the cat whose main hobby is moving as little as possible. So Cat Amazing Center, their newest puzzle, it's called Sliders, and it has these uh, little sections inside that move around. You can adjust the challenge level, so it's always new and different, and she really has to work for those treats. I'll be honest, at first she was skeptical, but once she figured it out, I'm telling you, she didn't stop until she had gotten every last treat out of that puzzle. But I can tell you, these things really stand up to play, uh, even with a slightly feral cat like Grendel. They're also very easy to assemble. My four-year-old actually had a lot of fun putting the sliders together with me. As you know, I'm very into anything that keeps the kid and the cat entertained. And look, we all know it's important, right? Indoor cats need enrichment. They need to stay active. Grendel, I'm sorry. You know it's true. And Cat Amazing's puzzles are a fantastic way to do just that. So give your cat a treat, literally. Go to catamazing.com slash cat talk, and you can get 15% off your purchase of sliders or any other cat amazing puzzle. That's catamazing.com slash cat talk. Were you sort of that person in the newsroom, sort of pitching the cat story? Uh, or or were there other cat people? That, I mean, I know at BuzzFeed, mm -hmm. I'm sure there were some other cat people. Um, how do you handle that? I think that one of the great things about getting older is that 
You have the ability to just force stories down publications' throats without a ton of approval. So at a certain point, I think they just kind of let me do it. Like at Fast Company, I don't remember anyone saying like, oh, it's a great idea to write about or assign a story about your cat's cat carrier, but it felt right to me. So um, so I think just outlast the competition, you know? As someone who enjoys consuming media about cats, I'm very grateful for that. I'm very glad that those things get through so that people like me can read them and enjoy them. It's not a niche interest, cats. Oh, there, God, no. Well, there's millions of people with cats. It, it's not. It's not some sort of odd, obscure little interest that no, we have. No, no, not at all. I've made friends through, or I've cemented friendships through, like, shared love of cats, you know? Um, it is interesting because if you have kids, the cats do take a different place in your life and your Instagram feed, but, you know, it's no less profound. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of kids, um, I know you have one at home mm-hmm. who is, what, a year and a half-ish? Yeah, ish. yeah. You wrote a piece about maternity overalls that was really funny. And some other, uh, p- the, the piece about breastfeeding uh, in The Cut, was it? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Mom, mommy blogging, yeah. Listen, um, I remember thinking, wow, she's writing through this. Like, you were very close to it at the time mm-hmm. you were writing it. Mm-hmm. Was that hard? You know, it was weird. I, like, as soon as I even contemplated maternity leave, I had this, like, psychological need to suddenly freelance write, which I hadn't really been doing for a while. And I'm no therapist, but I was worried I would lose my identity really quickly. So I felt compelled to suddenly pitch, like, a zillion stories. And the only thing I really could write about, though, was what was right in front of me. It's not like I'm going to travel. So the experience of, like, having trouble breastfeeding was, like, anyone who's ever been there, like... It goes from something you've never thought about to, like, totally dominating your life. I just was very frustrated because I was like, I feel like I'm reading how, like, 100% of women can breastfeed, but I know that that can't be true. And so it was um, also very gratifying to talk to experts who were like, no, no, that's not true at all. But it also was fairly insane. Like, of all the time to start freelance writing again, why now? Yeah. No, I I, I absolutely relate to that. When I was on... uh my six whole weeks of maternity leave from my job, which at the time I remember thinking was very generous. I would dial in to calls with, you know, a a, a three-week-old puking on my shoulder. I was answering emails on my phone with one hand because it felt like, don't stop. Mm Because if you stop, what's going to happen? You're just going to be a lady with a baby if you stop. Totally, totally. And, you know, one of the big experiences of having a kid, though, was how when we brought the baby home, and the cats were home, instantly it was clear that, like, our relationships were about to change. And Patrick was like, oh, my God, how are we going to handle the cats? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, they're fine. He was like, I think he was thinking more emotionally because they were like, they were, I mean, they were our babies, you know? And suddenly our babies were, like, not interesting to us. Yeah. You know, the day my son came home from the hospital, we didn't know what to do with him when we got home because it's like uh, they just let us leave with this baby. (laughs) And so the cats came over and started (laughs) sniffing him. And I was like, guys, like we're all in this together now. Um, But there is that weird sense of like, listen, I'm glad you're as independent as you are because I'm going to need you to just sit over there and lick your own butt because I can't I can't deal with you right now. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it is really sad right now when people visit us. 
the cats, fl- you know, they they like flock to other people. They're so desperate for touch. They make guests uncomfortable because they'll like one of them will hover on like a couch arm and the other will be like above, the, you know, like they'll just surround people. You know, and Edgar, our son, he's 18 months. He has a very intense relationship with the cats. It's one of the few words he knows. Yes, it's not even a real word exactly that he uses for the cats, but he says it constantly. And they have grudgingly accepted his, you know, we talk a lot about gentle touches, you know. I don't know that we're there yet. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> um, but they, you know, they'll take what they can get. And right now what they get is an 18-month-old. We were talking a bit about work, uh, and I know you just started your new job. Congratulations. So you've been through a lot of change in the past couple of years, like a lot. And you're, if I may yeah. say, about to have another change. Yeah, I'm extremely pregnant. Um, it's a weird thing because when I took the job at Topic, it was literally my start date was like two days after the 2016 election. So I have this feeling where like everything that came before that feels like another lifetime ago. And we've all collectively entered, especially if you work in media, this like vortex um, and things have gotten progressively crazier. So like like, you know, having a kid being laid off, being laid off when you're pregnant, like it's all it all feels of a piece of like um, kind of general insanity. Um, But, yeah, it's been a pretty it's a lot. Do the cats help you um, stay resilient through times like that? They definitely take the focus off of Twitter. Um, You know, like, they clearly are not engaged with the news. Have your cats ever forcibly removed your phone from your hand while you're looking at Twitter? They haven't. I wish they would. I wish I could train them to do that. Um, They, unlike my son, who would forcibly do that, um, they don't feel any competition with the phone. Like as long as I have one hand free to pet them, like they're they're they they have no stake in that. I will say if you if you do want to train them, I think you just got to rub some cat food on your phone. My cats are not motive. I mean, they're motivated by food, but like only their specific disgusting wet food. Um, but if your phone was covered in gross cat food, you would be less tempted to be having your face in it all. That's the time. so true. I hate touching. I even accidentally their cat food. It's really gross. There's just like a particular slime feel that really gets me. Is Has this always been the case or is this one of those like pregnancy revulsions? I mean, no, I think I've always hated accidentally touching because Riff Raff had a he has to have special urinary tract cat food because of a um, bladder issue. And actually, a warning to your listeners, one of the reasons why the vet told us that Riff Raff had this like life threatening problem is because we were feeding him this like ridiculous like hippie cat food that was like wild fish, like wild salmon. And he was like, cats can't process this. They don't need gluten-free, like like sustainably farmed salmon. They just need to have food that won't like gunk up their insides, you know? Wow, I've seen that in the pet stores where it's just like, you know, line-caught salmon. I'm like, I don't eat line-caught no, salmon. No, no. I, You know what? And I actually, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to blame my husband for this because I think that he really... He took a Northern California approach to feeding the cats for a long time, and it just, it was not what they needed. He wanted to be the Alice Waters of cat food. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a bit, it was too much. 
is there still joy in the world of media despite all of this uncertainty? You know, getting text messages from people about layoffs. A Twitter is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a hellscape unto itself. Mm-hmm. How do you find joy in what you do, knowing all That's of this? That's a really good question. And I have actually struggled a lot over the past couple of years with finding ways to focus on the work. If I'm making good work and I'm making it with a team of people I like, then I can ignore the noise of the industry or or just kind of like the status anxieties that come with all of this. Um, but it's hard to find places now where you're like, man, I wish I worked there. Like that seems like a place where people are really pushing the envelope and doing something exciting in a, in a, in a fun way. Because even places that do incredible work, you know that like, you know, the New Yorker is amazing, but Condé Nast has been laying people off for years. Like, I, I feel very lucky that Gimlet took a chance on me without any audio background, really, because I think that podcasts have been one of the few kind of brighter spots where it seems like there's more openness and people are trying new things and peak podcasts, no peak podcasts, like, you know, people still have capacity to listen, um, like literally. Um <laughs> So I feel like I've tried to kind of move where it feels like there's something new and exciting um, or something just new, but it's really challenging. And I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what five years or 10 years looks like anymore right now. Oh, it's it's wild. It's wild. I mean, we all remember where we were when Cat Fancy, the print edition, folded, or at least I do. I, I mean, we should have known then, honestly. It was the cat in the coal mine, if you will. Yeah. All these mergers and acquisitions and things, it's very confusing for those of us who just want to read about cats. I want to talk a little bit about your background, not professionally. You grew up in central Pennsylvania, I hear. Yeah, I did. What town? I did. What I, town? I grew up in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. My my cat and my husband are from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, Hershey um, was maybe 90 minutes away from Lewistown. Um, went there quite often, obviously, for Hershey Park. Of course. Did you grow up with cats in central Pennsylvania? I did. I did. I had my first cat was a Manx named Blackie. Um, our second cat was uh, a black and white cat called Crystal. Crystal spent most of her time outside. Outdoor cats. That's the thing in central Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's how yeah. Grendel came to exist. Um, and you you are Turkish, of Turkish descent. Yes, my father's Turkish. And you've been to Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about the cat scene in Istanbul? So it's incredible. It's so as good as they say? It is. I actually was just in Istanbul this summer. And it was, I think, honestly, I don't know what the impact of the documentary Keddy was on Istanbul exactly, but there were even more cats than I remembered. And there were all these, like, these little cat feeders and little cat houses like in alleys in the street. And it was like, clearly all of these cats were being taken care of. Is there something in Turkish culture that lends itself to cats? Or is it something about the geography of the city? What What is it about Istanbul and cats? I mean, I think partially it is the um, proximity to water. Fishing and cats always go together. Cats have a long history of traveling around the world on boats. Um, but I also I think there's something about like Turkish hospitality culture that has just extended to cats. You know, when somebody visits your house, like you offer them all the food, everything you have. And, you know, when a cat visits your house, I mean, I think you kind of do the same. The city just loves its cats. 
Rayon, what would you like to say to Riff Raff and Squeaky listening at home? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I want to say that we've had a rough couple of years, and I know that um, our lives have changed a lot. Um, but um, I think that we've gotten through some of the worst parts for them, um, and it's going to get better. And, you know, we still love you guys, maybe a little bit less, but we still love you, you know, um, and we'll continue feeding you until you die. That's the most important thing. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we have a shout-out today. Today's shout-out goes to Arthur, who's listening in Harlem. Always love to hear from the Uptown Cats. Arthur's person, Claire, has a simple but beautiful message. She says, Arthur, I love you very much. What more do you need to say? If you have a cat who deserves a shout-out, send us an email, shouts at letstalkaboutcats.com. Just tell us your cat's name, where they live, any message you'd like included, and you'll hear me read it out at the end of an upcoming episode. Rayon, how can people find you on the internet if they'd like to keep up with everything you're doing? Sadly, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter. And I want to just preface this by saying that when I chose a Twitter name, Twitter was not a place for professionals. <laughs> it was a place for personals. So it is at Harmancy Pants. And of course, we'll, we'll link that in our show notes, which you can find at letstalkaboutcats.com. We'll also have a full episode transcript for you there. And you can sign up for our newsletter while you're at it. And hey, if you liked this episode, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Um, if you have a friend who likes cats or a conversation or conversations about cats, which is what this is, let them know about the show and tell them they can find it wherever podcasts are found. That's all for today's episode. I'm Mary. My cat is Grendel. Our producer is the best-selling Lizzie Jacobs. We had production help from Virginia Laura. Our theme song is by Puingly with additional music by The English Muffins. And our show logo was created by Julia Emiliani. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time about cats. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.